Welcome to another episode of Trip Report. The next couple episodes we're going to be doing are going to be all about ketamine. I'm really happy to get into this one because ketamine is one of the substances that's legal right now for psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy. Ketamine's fascinating because it's not a traditional psychedelic. It doesn't operate on the same receptors that a typical tryptamine or phenethylamine operate on. And it's actually a Schedule 3 substance because it does have medicinal use. So that is why it is able to be prescribed in use in therapeutic settings right now. So that being said, my first guest today talking about ketamine is Sam. Sam works for Daydream MD and they do intramuscular infusions with ketamine for therapeutic usage. Would be Yep, depression, PTSD, anxiety. Cool. So yeah, with that, Sam, thanks for joining me. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Excited to talk about this topic and any other topics that come up. So before we dive into it, I'm curious what kind of plant medicine experience did you have prior to using ketamine? Yeah, so actually the first substance I experimented with was marijuana in like sophomore year of high school or junior maybe. And that was a positive experience. I always remember that it made me a more positive person, a nicer person. (laughs) I think I would always, I'd have these arguments with my siblings and then my little sister, I kind of like, I don't know if she was, I struggled to not be annoyed and after doing uh, after smoking, I was I found myself wanting to be nice to her. I just told this, told her the story the other day, and she was like, "That's hilarious!" Like instead of terrorizing her, I was like, "Let's just get along. Let's just why, <laughs> why, why are we so negative?" You know. So, but then after that, at around 19 years old or so, I tried uh, some psilocybin. I tried like a chocolate heart that had like it was supposed to be an eighth. A friend, me and my friend, like cut it in half, but I don't know that it was well distributed right. in the chocolate and i to this day i just talked to him the other day but to this day i think i got more and that was not a good thing for me <laughs> and man okay so that that experience was was pivotal it was i felt like it was a th- six hour long experience the first three hours were like the best hours of my life and i always i've told this told the story a lot i remember thinking like i need to call my grandma and all my loved ones and they need to take this this is like <laughs> this is it right here this is it's there's nothing wrong with this this is good um and the next three hours were like the worst hours of my life up to that point up until that point and i think a lot uh that had a lot to do with set and setting the set and setting was with friends and the first three hours and the set and setting was or the setting rather was at home at my parents house where i had to like sneak in be quiet and so some paranoia kicked in and right. some fear and it was just downhill for three hours just anxiety and so i kind of vowed that next day the sun came up and i made it through if you will and i kind of vowed good to know never again yeah don't call grandma don't call anyone (laughs) (laughs) and i kept that promise for like 15 years yeah i was whatever uh 18 or 19 and then the very next experience i had was this year just to kind of throttle back yeah for it to be that i mean you said some some anxiety but what specifically was enough to scare you away for that long so i'll tell you i'll tell you what i experienced and then i think that'll kind of answer that question i get to my room i sneak in and all i know is i can't see anyone because coming from like this conservative household that was not going to be uh okay so i'm watching i just turn on the tv i'm just gonna hang out in my room it's late and anything that came on the tv that was even slightly negative i felt in my core it's funny because like uh, this will di- tell you my age, but I was watching Full House and uh, I'm like, you can't go wrong with Full House. Like these are good vibes. 
let's watch Full House. We're we're okay. And uh, I I'll never forget. It's like uh, Michelle Tanner broke a vase, <laughs> and then Danny Tanner comes in and he's like, "Who broke the vase?" She's scared, like she's gonna, she's caught, and I literally am like, "Oh no, horror, bad vibes!" Like I am terrified, and I'm like, "What's happening?" So I'm changing the channel, trying to find something good. It's not happening. So I, I, I guess I just felt like uh, I couldn't escape this, this whatever this was, just negativity, negativity. So okay. I, I, I went to take a shower. The shower wasn't helping. I'm like trying to throw up. And I just was like in this, in this, I don't know how else to describe it other than like fearful state. Yeah. Right. That was it. Yeah. Gotcha. It makes sense. I mean, I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's rough. So you said 15 year break and then was, what was the first experience back? So actually ketamine. Okay. Ketamine was what helped me to revisit plant medicine and to actually revisit psilocybin again, which was a huge breakthrough for me because I was pretty sure I wasn't welcome in that in that yeah. realm. So what brought ketamine on the radar and what, you know, after a 15 year break, not wanting to be in that headspace, what made you yeah. settle with getting back in with ketamine? Yeah, I love this question because it's going to lead us to the ketamine experience. So my background's in ambulance, was working on an ambulance at 19. Then I move into the ER and I've been in the emergency department for 11 years and still there currently as a, as a nurse in the ER and then also doing the ketamine assisted psychotherapy in the ER. We give ketamine. Mm -hmm. Uh, we use it a lot as to do, um, short sedation for let's say a dislocated shoulder resetting a fracture, a shoulder reduction. And so, but they're in higher doses, they're about four times the dose that we would give at a ketamine assisted psychotherapy or, and that's because at that, at that dose, you're, you're, you're out, you're out and you're just not going to be, you're, you're kind of going under, it's a short act, it's short acting though, so that we can reset the dislocation and then you'll, you'll come back. But at lower doses, you get to actually experience the medicine. So anyway, that was my first uh, introduction to ketamine. You really don't know what it is until you've experienced it even if you hear stories about it uh because uh, the stories are out there usually mm -hmm. and and you really gotta kind of experience it to to know yeah i i had heard one of the er doctors was working with ketamine for mental health and i think i've just always been really into mental health and so had a conversation with him and i asked if i can check out the operation over there at his clinic and i saw that people were having positive responses that got me into wanting to know no more yeah Okay. Quickly on the flood doses for use in the ER, does anybody ever report anything after their experience? Yeah. Um, let's see. I, I gave it the other day and a patient reported some visual changes and just like some euphoria. Okay. Uh, and there was a dose for pain. So it was a smaller dose. Okay. Um, so there are indications where there might maybe a mid-level dose where you are able to kind of remember and be conscious of the experience. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I asked, I mean, we had this conversation the other day, mm -hmm. but I thought it was fascinating that I've, I, so I've heard somewhere, I tried to look it up. I couldn't find the specific study where it was done, but I had heard that when it was administered to soldiers in combat, that following their injury, once they were out of the combat zone, that the follow-up, whether they were the people who received ketamine versus morphine had much lower instances of PTSD. So it's interesting that this is being used for PTS in the current realm and that it seems to have had 
that same impact on people whenever they were already in the battlefield. So that's kind of just why I wondered if there was any visual stuff or any visual remembrance when people were under the high dose, because if it's the same going inward and unpacking all of your trauma in life, if it was the same kind of thing at the higher dose, or if it's just a complete blackout whenever you're in the higher doses of it. Yeah. From what I understand at the much higher doses, the goal and, and usually you're kind of too sedated to remember any journey. Okay. Um, so Dr. Azam, Arslan Azam is the doc that I work with over at Daydream MD. And he um, has kind of explained it to me in that way. Um, but also I wanted to mention about how the ketamine helped me to revisit psilocybin. Um, when I started working there, I was able to uh, have a treatment. And in the treatment... Well, let's just dive yeah, into that. Get into let's that? go full okay. through the treatment and then we can talk about the psilocybin. Now. Okay. Yeah. Were you nervous going in? Yeah, man. I was so <laughs> nervous because because of the um, psilocybin experience. Yeah. But um, so I'm walking, <laughs> walking into the clinic and I'm thinking, I mean, I bet lots of people can probably probably have this experience. But I'm thinking like, what am I doing actually? How did I get here? Right. Can I turn back? Will it be embarrassing if I say, hey, I actually don't feel well. I'm going to leave. I don't want to do it. And you do have that option, right? But I was, I'm wanting to push through fear, especially this year and last year and kind of overcome some stuff that's been maybe holding me back. And I think ketamine is, can be perfect for, for that. So I, I go in and as I'm walking in, I had this like, I don't know, maybe like a pep talk with myself. Uh, and I was like, you got through that uh, psilocybin experience and you've got through a lot of stuff and you'll get through this. And it was kind of like this little like locker room moment where I was like, you're not scared, dude. You're not scared of this. Like this is gonna be great. It's gonna be an awesome experience. It's a privilege, man. And so I just went with that like energy mm -hmm. and I get in there and it's really cool. Uh, usually what we do is um, we, we have a, a sound healer and they, she does a sound bath Okay. And they're very natural instruments, just very, very, a lot of uh, like tribal instruments, uh, wind, wind instruments. And, and so we kind of get into our, uh, it was a group, group journey. So there's about maybe five or six people uh, in, the, in the room. And then she's playing music. There's a poem that's read, some breathing exercises. And then you put on your eye mask and you put on these headphones and a curated playlist that's kind of usually with no lyrics there's this really cool people are doing a lot of cool playlists for ketamine you put that on and um i got the intramuscular so we do intramuscular and iv and we can talk about the differences of that if you want and i get the shot and uh there's this feeling that there's no turning back after mm -hmm. that so the shot's in and i'm still calm and uh i just from my nursing experience i was expecting that to the onset to be like 15 minutes and it's not, it's like four minutes max or like right around there. And I start feeling warmth in my leg creeping up and I think something's happening. But the, so the shot was in the arm and you felt the warmth in the leg. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And the right leg uh, shot was in the right deltoid. Anyway, it starts getting warm and I'm thinking that's, that's coming on fast. All right. As it's coming up and it's coming on, I feel it like light filling up my lungs that's what, that's the best way I could describe it. Mm -hmm. So my lungs are filling up with light. So now I'm thinking, let's check on our breathing. Is this is this okay? Are we in trouble? There... So I take a maybe an anxious breath of like just checking my breathing, and I think um, 
That feels weird. So then the next thought is, uh, do I need to get up and ask for help? It's a very anxious, panicky thought. I go, do I need to stand up and start kind of making a fool of myself and screaming and running out the door and like somebody help me? And the next thought that I have, this realize, the next realization that I have is I have no body. So I don't have a body. So that question is irrelevant because how do I get up and stand up if I don't have a body? And that's a surprising realization. Right. I mean, I'm like, and my jaw's on the floor because I'm thinking, did not expect this. I, I came in expecting something intense, something unique. This was like the matrix. I went through the matrix and I am, my mind is blown like fully. So now I'm in, I'm in a new, it's a new realm. It's like the whole, the game, the rules have changed. The game has changed. It's completely uh, a new reality, uh, I guess. And the cool part about ketamine that I hope that this is, and I have heard this from a lot of patients, that there's something gentle about that, about the medicine. Because when I tell that story, people think it sounds really scary. And I, and I think it does too. But experiencing it, it was not scary. It was comforting. It was positive. So this whole, like, I don't have a body thing, it comes with maybe a euphoria or a peace that lets you be okay with that. And so as I'm like now, and it, and it feels very much, I am is very um, rapid onset because you're getting the whole dose in one shot versus a IV, which is dripping the dose over 40 minutes. So you shoot up. I felt like I shot upwards. In fact, I felt like I was on a rocket shooting up. And my greatest anxiety and like uh, panic comes from fear of heights. And that started as a kid and on airplanes and all that. And ketamine is taking me up high and at the same time comforting me and, and making it feel I wasn't scared. I was, it was almost like because I separated from myself, the me that has fear, the me that has anxiety about that wasn't with me. It felt like I was consciousness, but like a collective consciousness. Mm -hmm. And that consciousness doesn't have that fear of heights and that anxiety and as i'm going up i can feel i'm trying to remember what my life actually i'm trying to remember hey i have a job i have a family right yeah i and as i'm trying to recall these details about my life they're shrinking and like getting harder and harder to to remember and as they're shrinking i'm like oh wow i'm who am i <laughs> it's like who am i right shrinks down to a pebble and i like see it flick away from me to the right and back like it went into the ocean or something and it's gone like i don't kind of i'm not that person but it's also not it's also not scary it's just not relevant hmm. so all right and, and a big thing i tell all the all my patients is to go with that because some people re resist it Hey, I'm, I'm, I have a friend that said, I'm Susie because we're trying to hang on to that. Like, I don't want to lose that. I want to hang on to that. It's scary. But I think if you're able to let go of that and know you, you, it'll come back. So I always tell people that'll come back to you. Go, go with this experience. Cause you, if you're hanging on to this stuff and you're stressing on it, you may miss out on the present moment of what you're experiencing. Mm. So I did that. I was like, we'll worry about that later for now. Like I am in awe of what's happening. And so you have music and you're. For me, I was having the synesthesia. I'm seeing the music in geometrical shapes and they're beautiful. And it's a very journey because each song 
takes you to a new environment. So at one point I'm in space and I'm seeing these rocks floating by in space. And there's this awareness that I'm in an ancient, timeless place and I'm part of it. And there's some kind of a gratitude for being part of that. And um, this freedom of like having shed my daily stressors, anxieties, fears, hopes, you know, all these things that we're constantly working on, like on the hamster wheel in our lives. And at another point I was on a plant, but I was like a very, a micro, like a small, very small, the plant was really big and I'm kind of just observing the plant and again, feeling these positive feelings and you, and then, and then it's very much like a, a peak and then you start coming down. The whole thing's about 40 minutes as you're coming down, you, you become aware, Hey, Oh yeah, I'm lying down here. You peek out of the mask. Oh yeah. Check your surroundings. You go back in and you're coming down. And I started getting these messages that I think this is why ketamine is catching on and why people are getting a benefit from it is I started having a few different thoughts. It's kind of where, where it's all happening. It's all happening in your thoughts. If you see somebody on these ketamine treatments, they're just lying down and they look like they're just resting, but there's a lot going on in their minds. I had this realization or I, I it was like, I was able to see my life in a box as a life project. And there was this kind of question posed to me that said, how's it going? How's the life project going? And it, I felt, and I heard it's going great. You're doing, you're doing good. What you're doing is working. And it was crazy because that sounds simple, but what happened is instead of being in the box and worrying about my next task to do in my life and the next thing that I need to do and, and trying to get that, do a good job of, at work or in my next life goals, could, I was able to come back out of there and see it like detached from it, from an outsider's perspective and, and look at it and go, man, you've been working really hard and you've been achieving these goals and you're like, it was kind of like a, another pep talk. It was like, you're killing it. Yeah. You don't, you, you can be, you can relax and be happy or proud or not stressed for a little, for a minute has stayed with me. Because some people ask, like, how long does it do the effects last? Does it wear off? That perspective doesn't go away. Um, at least it's something you can kind of tangibly hang on to, kind of like a perspective shift. And then uh, the other one, the last one I'll share is like, I saw myself as a frog, and the frog was kind of bouncing around, also in a box, and the the box was kind of hitting the frog, and the box was life, life's challenges, but the the box was hitting the frog. But the frog was never going to get hurt because it was barely hitting this frog. And the frog seemed to be sturdy and and resilient or uh, unfazed by these bumps. And what that was saying to me was, you're more durable. You can handle more than you think. Uh, and you don't have to be so stressed, so anxious about, is the next challenge in my life going to like take me down? Can I handle the next? If I have to get on a plane... Am I going to like self-destruct? Can I handle it? Am I going to have a nervous breakdown? Am I going to, you know what I mean? And uh, that experience told me you can handle so much more than you think. You can handle all these things and more. And there's kind of this like strength and confidence to not have to worry about the challenges that are coming and to say, we can enjoy the present moment right now and do not have to worry that much about all the other stuff. You're not that fragile. You're not as fragile as you think. That was huge. Yeah. Yeah. So duration of the treatment and what was the come down like? How long until you were back to baseline? Uh, yeah. So the duration is about 
40 minutes. And then it's dose dependent. There's some people, there's a, a, a range that goes 0.5 milligrams per kilogram up to two milligrams per kilogram. And if you're on that higher range, it may extend your experience a little longer than 40 minutes. That's a pretty good expectation within 40 minutes an hour of feeling the effects. Usually about 40 minutes, people are ready to sit up and kind of check back in. Are patients required to be driven by somebody else? Or are they allowed to drive home themselves? Yes. Yeah, so you want to have at the clinic, you want to have a ride for you to take you back just because it causes some dizziness. And dis, um, of course, in during the treatment disorientation, I mean, you're not sure which way is up when you're experiencing the treatment, but um, you get back to baseline fast. I'd say if a couple hours, two hours after uh, you could kind of get back to whatever you were doing. So that's the cool thing about that treatment is that it's short. I mean, that's amazing yeah. because with so many of the other traditional psychedelics, you're looking at a minimum of four hours up until potentially 12 hour experience. And that's, that's too much for some people. I mean, especially when it takes a bad turn and you're stuck in a 12 hour bad oh, yeah. experience. That's, I mean, that can introduce PTS in itself. Yes. A uh, few questions go going back to music and synesthesia. In your psilocybin experiences, I guess the pre and the post, did you use music in those as well? And how did the music compare on ketamine compared to psilocybin? So pre starting the treatment, there's live music that we use. And then once you begin the treatment, you put on headphones and then you hear like instrumental and different types of music that are from um, like streaming. Um, But (laughs) that's funny. I hadn't thought about the psilocybin. Um, on psilocybin, I was, I'll never forget. I was, when I was at the most positive uh, part of it, I was hearing this, uh, starry eyed surprise song, uh, in my friend's car as we're driving around and it was like, uh, that, Oh my starry eyed surprise, sundown to sunrise. We're going to dance all night. And I was like thinking everyone needs to hear this song. It's the best song ever made. It turns out, <laughs> um, so music was enhanced definitely on psilocybin, but it was not what you see on ketamine because okay. I always, this is the best way I can describe it. Like when I hear music in regular waking non-ketamine life, it is going into your ears, but in ketamine, all of a sudden as it starts to kick in, it starts to penetrate into your ears. And what it feels like is that it went, goes into your brain and then starts shooting out your eyes. <laughs> that sounds crazy. And, and you're, you're seeing the music visually and you're feeling it more. Um, so I would say um, a, a big uh, difference there between the two. For okay. me, for me. Uh, I was curious because for me with ayahuasca and psilocybin, that's what I like the most about them is the fact that I feel the music and it's in my brain. And I've even only had access to like crappy earbuds before, but it sounded like I mean, not, I can't even say it sounded like noise canceling headphones. It was in my brain. I felt and saw the music. And that's why for me, and I think anybody who is a fan of music, psychedelics are one of the best things you can do because it's like, it's better than any music video you could watch any movie you could experience. Like, and, and you just can't explain to somebody who hasn't heard music in that way how unbelievable it is. I think like if, if my, if I die and my heaven is just experiencing music like that forever, I'm good with that. Like (laughs) that, that's how, that's how unbelievable music sounds. But going into the next one, you said that you can come up and peek out of the eye shades. Do you have a visual distortion with open eyes when you're on ketamine? 
Yeah, that's a great question. For me, um, I would like to experience that with and having that covers off more. But I will say that what I experienced was anytime I peeked out of the um, eye covers, I felt um, that I was leaving this very special place. Mm-hmm. I was kind of like uh, being being um, snapped out of it. or um, So I would peek out and then just for seconds at a time and i could see my surroundings and you see either sunlight if if it's if you're if it's daytime and then for me all i wanted to do was just get back get back in there plug plug back in because when you close your eyes for me that's when the visuals come back i completely agree and i i mean it's my own two cents but i think all the the best work is done inside and from within. And Mm -hmm. I think that's why, you know, with meditation and everything else, it's all about going inside. And when I see these ceremonies that are out there where people are staring at a fire or keeping their eyes open, I think they're depriving themselves of what the full benefit of the journey is. And I've had groups, psilocybin groups with friends before, and I see the ones who refuse to close their eyes and I can see that they're just fighting. They won't allow the surrender to happen. And it's like, look, if you want to do the work, you got to get in there. And it's become very apparent to me on the higher doses of psilocybin ayahuasca LSD is that my eyelids get very heavy Mm -hmm. to where the body is telling me you need to shut your eyes. And it's like, I will have open eye visuals with various tryptamines, but the eyelids it's so heavy that it says like the work is within quit trying to look you've seen this world before yeah. go to the other one that's where you belong Amazing. and so yeah that's i was kind of curious with ketamine because yeah my only experience was a lighter dose of nasal insufflation so and it was powerful and what i liked about it is you had made the comment of you had the affirmation that like you're crushing it in life yeah. and it was interesting to me because my most recent ketamine experience i always go into all of these plant medicine experiences with this intention of trying to heal. I always have, I mean, and again, it's like part of, Mm -hmm. part of moving forward in life is letting go of your past. And I think whenever I got hit with a lupus diagnosis for me, it was like, that became me. And I'm like, how do I heal from this? And it's like, I need to let it go. That's what needs to happen. And when I got into the ketamine realm, I set no intentions. I just said, I'm going to do this. And when I got in there, I didn't even think about healing. It was just the, the, I got that affirmation that everything is solid. And it was just like, life is amazing. Everything about every interaction you have with every person on this earth is a blessing. And it was just like, it was such a powerful message to come through. Dude, uh, I had the very much similar experience. I was, I was in there. And once I felt the medicine come on, I, I was stressing myself with the thoughts Am I doing the work? Am I am I am I overcoming my fear of uh, heights? So that was my next question. So let's go with this. After <laughs> yeah. the experience, yeah. do, do you feel that yeah. the fear the fear of heights is diminished? Love it. As I'm in there, it, it became a stress thought that I realized pretty quickly was stealing from my experience that I was meant to have, and so I. It's almost like there's you know. We, we talk to ourselves, right? And so as I was like asking myself, did are we doing the work? Are we are we are we overcoming this fear of heights? That's why we're here, right? 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 And then I turned to that voice, you know, and I said, Could you do you mind? Do you mind if we set that aside? Because are you seeing what I'm seeing? And then that voice is quieted down and went away. And maybe that voice, or if there's two two people, he started to be in awe of what we were experiencing also. And that is what I would recommend for anyone who goes in because what we did was we said, I don't know. Cause I, I said, I don't, I answered that question. I said, I don't know if we're overcoming that or if we're healing or not, but look at this. And then that's when I got these, those messages of 
encouragement and confidence. So I will say I go up high and I can handle it. I feel a calm. It's subtle. I find myself in these situations that used to really activate the fight or flight and I can I can keep it at bay. It's I still know that it's possible, but sometimes I forget that I was even for example, I go over bridges and that could activate it for me. I mean my respiratory rate goes up, um, you know, driving mm-hmm. and I can feel me gripping the steering wheel and now I'll find myself halfway across the bridge and then having to remember, oh, this is the scary part. And then, man, there's no better gift Yeah. than looking around at these really high, being up high and saying, hey, I'm okay. It's, I, I'm safe. I'm, I'm all right here. And then, and then I, I go, all right, what's the next challenge? I'm ready for the next challenge then if this one's okay. And then to bring it back to the psilocybin, it took away the fear of the psilocybin. So I was able to try to come back to that and, and see if that, and then it was a positive experience, a gentle, good experience that kind of, kind of like going and revisiting a traumatic thing and then taking away the traumatic experience from it and the fear of, of it and then saying, okay, you're, you're not a monster. And I don't know that I, it's, if I could say I conquered another monster, but it feels kind of like that where it's mm-hmm. like, I took the power away from this thing that was like a scary area that I was not to go to around. And then I, I went there and then had a good experience and it's almost like check another fear off the box of my fear. So I mean, I like that metaphor of a monster. And I always say that that's what the demons are when people are like, oh, I'm fighting the demons or I'm doing this or I'm burying the demons. I think that's what your ego is. Like the ego is that devil on your shoulder. And there's it has there are many different demons and every one of them is a different fear or different trauma. And when you can slay that demon, it no longer has that hold on you. And I feel like as you slay all of those demons, it makes it that much easier just to move forward in life and the things St. Prime's example is that fear of heights is just not an issue anymore. You're able to move past that. The next thing I wanted to get into, because I think that's what scared me the most about trying ketamine in the first place Mm. was the addictive potential. Mm. And I think it's interesting because, you know, I I figured somebody who works in a ketamine clinic, you've been working there for a year. Mm. Whenever you said I've done ketamine twice, I was like, okay, that's Uh, a prime example that, you know, ketamine isn't necessarily, although it may have a higher addictive potential than some of the other stuff out there. I have to wonder if it's the, the forms of ketamine, because I look back to John Lilly, who is, you know, he was the guy who invented the float tank. He was the one that tried establishing a communication with dolphins back in the day. Fascinating guy, but he had a severe addiction to ketamine. He Mm. actually drowned in float tanks twice and had to be resuscitated because he was doing it in ketamine. Right, right. And he, at least what I had heard was that he kept getting messages from entities from ketamine, but he would, it was like just enough that he was going to change the world with these messages. And then he would come out and he would lose it. And he didn't know what the message was anymore. So he's like, I got to go back in and talk to him again. Uh, And it it created this vicious cycle to where he continued to use ketamine up until the day that he died. And they could not get him away from it. And I look at people who like Aubrey. Do you know Aubrey Marcus from On It? Uh He's um, pretty big in the psychedelic space, but he constantly talks about this meditation practice he has with cannabis and ketamine. And they're the two that I see the biggest habit potential that I've seen with people Mm. in the, in the plant medicine realm, I guess ketamine wouldn't be a plant medicine, but in the psychedelic realm, the ones that I see that are the most habit forming. And this guy who 
tries to speak all the beneficial things about plant medicines from what I observe from the outside, listening to his podcast, it sounds like he has some low level addiction to it as well. Now I assume that he's using the nasal spray. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is the most addictive form of ketamine from my perspective. So it's interesting to hear yours, obviously no draw to it from me. I had, I've, I've done insufflation twice. And the second time I almost didn't do it. Like I didn't feel a calling to it. It just kind of like presented itself. So it's like, I'll go. And it was amazing. But that kind of showed for me that I had no abuse potential for it either. So I kind of wonder if it's just the nasal spray because that's S-ketamine, I believe. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So do you know anything about that? From um, the speaking to the uh, just my personal experience, what I experienced was that, you know, and I think I've heard this for other psychedelics. It's like you visit this place and you get so much out of it. For me personally, I kind of felt like even if I only had one, that was enough for mm-hmm. me. And I could walk away from that and and keep the, the gifts, if you will, or the messages that I got from it. And then... Um, there's some research that shows four to six treatments uh, kind of has like the greatest return on uh, investment, if you will, or the most positive effects long term, um, which is still pretty small amount. I mean, you know, how many times have do we do a thing that we like coffee or or marijuana to do something six times pretty um, non not extreme. Right. Yeah. Um, I'd have to I haven't looked at the research on it, but I'm. I have not uh, seen much out there in, as far as in the way of it being a very addictive um, substance. Okay. But maybe there's more research to be done. I'm not sure. One that I did want to touch on coming back to you was you had made mention of as you started to detach and you were losing who you were in that realm and that, but there was a sense of calm with it. Do you see any difficulty for people to let go or any bad trips associated with ketamine? Um. Yeah, there. Uh, I haven't seen. I haven't seen really bad trips, uh, but they are. Uh, they are a thing that happens. Um, there's a phenomenon called emergence. Um, it's pretty much a panic attack after maybe a higher high dose of like uh, for a procedure uh, or in surgery, this kind of thing. And then, um, and I think I I, did, I was kind of looking up uh, some um, some data, some research on that, and it was pretty small. You know, it's like one percent. Okay. But some people do report a a struggle in their experience on their, in their journey. Let's say somebody has five treatments. Sometimes the third one was a, was a hard one. Mm -hmm. They, they, they report it being so set and setting, right? Mindset and and your setting. So a lot of what we do is provide a, a setting. You're in a safe environment. You have medical professionals. The dosing is weight based and it's, um, and all that kind of helps with the setting, but the mindset is going to be kind of, your job. So a lot of times, sometimes people will come in stressed out from work. And uh, I've had a, a, some other patients that were dealing with work stuff. And then they report in the, in their journey, kind of having the work stuff in the, in their experience. And so it's kind of a stress or they're hanging on to the, um, whatever's presenting is, is causing them uh, some stress or some negativity. Like we said, it's short acting. It wears off. And they come back and, and usually it's, well, I didn't get uh, exactly what I wanted out of it or it wasn't as good as my other treatment, but it's, it's, I've, I've yet to see um, somebody kind of have like, um, like an emotional an extreme, break or something. Um, negative um, response. Okay. Yeah. 
So you said yours was a group ceremony. Mm -hmm. Is that the typical way that they do it at the clinic or is there one-on-one -on -one availability? How does that work? Yeah, so we do um, a lot of one-on-one. -on -one. The groups are more um, kind of like, let's say they're happening, for example, they're, they're, they're happening more than this uh, currently, but let's say they're once a month. Uh, a one-to-one -one is happening several times a week. Okay. And uh, you have a, there's an option for ketamine-assisted psychotherapy, and that's where you do integration and you have kind of a, a therapy appointment before uh, and during, and then uh, and then maybe after. And so what th what that helps with is kind of talking about the things that you experience and how that can kind of speak to your moving forward in your life, just like a therapy session. Right. And then there's a lower cost one-to-one -one nurse patient experience or treatment where it's about two hours, two hours appointment. And you kind of do you either you have your own therapist that you kind of will go see afterward or, or you want to just do the, uh, get the treatment and then kind of there's, you still have the nurse there. That's kind of what I do there. And we will have some integration. Uh, but, but it's not the full hour of like uh, therapy that you might sign up for. Gotcha. What are the costs associated with this, with each different level of that treatment? And then are patients able to use insurance for this? And then also, do you offer any sort of discount for first responders, veterans, that kind of thing? Right. Yeah. So um, ketamine is being used um, off label currently, kind of newer. It's kind of newer to being allowed for mental health. And so because of that, insurances are not covering it. Most insurances don't cover it currently. Our clinic is kind of really bringing this at a lower cost than ha than is available in places and since, since it's been available. And so those numbers look like um, the group. Groups are really good because um, they lower costs as mm -hmm. well. So um, that can range from $200 to $600 for the IV by itself. So there's a 400, there's a 200, there's a 600. And then we also do, we started doing kind of like fundraisers or donations to bring this medicine to groups, veterans. And I think we're doing one for other mar marginalized groups that to kind of send the message, this medicine is for you too. This medicine is for anyone that needs it. Right. Um, so definitely that, there's a lot of that going on and that can... We can, uh, you can get more information about that from the Daydream MD uh, website, uh, Instagram, all that. And then you said there's two locations here in San Diego? Yep, uh, Encinitas and Pacific Beach. And then also we work with another group called Evolve Integrate, and that's kind of the therapist wing, and then we're out on the medical side. So um, you can find them as well on Instagram and those places, see those rates as well. Cool. I think we covered everything I was hoping to on here. Is there anything else you yeah. want to share? That was that was easy. Thanks, man. That's all I got for you. And then, um, yeah, so thanks for having me. Appreciate cool. it. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, um, it sounds like the second psilocybin was pretty interesting. Maybe we'll get in and do a follow-up there. Yeah, definitely. Cool. I'd love to. All right, Sam. Thanks for joining me. Thanks a lot. All right, take care. Love you guys.